The Four Diego's proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call one 366 639 In a very special edition of the Socceroo Series, we have live in the studio an undisputed, bona fide world football legend, a prolific goal scorer of the highest order. Our guest tonight captured the imagination of fans all around the world wherever he played. He represented Socceroos 43 times between 1994 and 2007 and played in three World Cup campaigns. Please, a big 40. Diego Socceroo Series welcome to Australian footballing legend Mark Paduka. Good day, Mark. How you going, boys? <laughs> now, that was a nice intro. Yeah, I'm a little bit tuckered out after that. I mean, exactly. I'll tell you what, I train hard. I mean, I, yeah. I do look svelte, I know, but uh, I still, but you deserved it, mate. It's great to have you in the studio tonight, and uh, I know that uh, it's uh, we've been pretty gutsy enough to actually promote it through the week and they've had a lot of feedback so you've got a lot of people out there probably listening tonight uh, to the great man himself so thanks for joining us of course you've met Donny Dominguez and Jose Blue Vein Gorgonzola mm-hmm. yes <laughs> <laughs> and, just uh, Jose just Jose will do that. Exactly and, and Mark right. looks very suspicious about that yeah <laughs> he certainly does mate uh, he certainly does but uh, again thanks for joining us tonight mate now let me give you a scenario there's Pim Verbeek's just rung through he's just said listen tell Mark don't worry about the skin folds. Don't worry about the training. <laughs> we want him here right now. Doesn't you know? We bring him off the bench. You do not have to spill any sweat at all. Uh, is there any temptation at all for you to take up that scenario and go over and play for the Socceroos, or is it absolutely no gas in the tank anymore for that? Ah, uh, there's always a temptation. I mean, it's in it's in your blood. It's been in my blood all my life, and. Uh... You know, if he called, I'd probably have to think about it twice. But realistically, I mean, there's no chance. It's a shame, isn't it? Well, I've got to tell Pim. He's on the phone right now. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, but what are the boys thinking of there? I mean, you've been through this. Uh, 2006 was a fantastic moment for Australian football. Mm-hmm. You were captain of the side, uh, leading it with good hitting. You know, the boys were primed. You, you really ran hard at training in the preparation. That's what they're doing right now. What are the boys thinking now with eight, game, eight, eight days to go before that game? You know, uh, is it a matter of just, you know, internalising things and thinking about how good they're going to be or is it a sense of excitement about the whole thing? Well, I mean, certainly there's a big sense of excitement because, uh, you know, it's the biggest occasion in, in world football and, uh, you know, they're all probably excited, but also, they, 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 you know, they want to get as fit as possible and, and use every training session to get the fitness levels up and... I mean, I don't know how how Pim is is what sort of sessions he's doing, but we did a lot of ball work and a lot of intense ball work uh, with um, with Goose, and we were, I mean, m- me personally, I, I don't think I've been that fit, that fit as as I was before that World Cup, and and all of us really, we looked really sharp, and um, as I said, we did a lot of ball work, and 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 that's basically what what these guys are thinking, and and trying not to not to get any injuries as well, mm-hmm. which is very important. Yeah, what's the uh, what's the expectation like in the pressure? Let's set aside the you know the the training that they're going through at the moment, but in terms, particularly even in that uh, that 2006 campaign, first World Cup for some time for the Socceroos, the expectations and the and the pressure. What were you feeling in those days leading up to that first game? Well, it was. I mean, I think that the. the as a footballer, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You know, if you didn't do it, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be playing in that World Cup. And I think everybody wants to you know wants to do well for themselves and also for their countries. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, you just try to prepare yourself as well as possible and 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 do every training session work work hard at every training session and and 
bef- you know, you know that all these things are going on around you because yeah. you see it on the television and all that. But, you know, we stayed uh, in, in a place that was, you know, an hour and a half away from Stuttgart, uh, uh, where everything was going on, and uh, you sort of you don't really get to experience it. You go you go from the game or the training session, you go straight back into the hotel, and nobody came near the hotel, mm. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, Mark, take us back to that moment, walking out, the captain's armband, as you walk out, that first game against Japan. Mm-hmm. I mean, that must have been a huge moment. I mean, was it was that the most excited you've ever been in the game? Was it your proudest moment? What what was that like? It was a, it was a surreal moment, you know? I mean, uh, it was... You know, you're at the World Cup where, you know, as a kid following the Socceroos for many years um, um, and going through all those painful moments as a player and also as a fan, um, you, I was just, I think we were all just relieved to be there, you yeah. know, and, and, and I was so happy, you know, le- leading the team out and uh, it was, I remember it was a boiling hot day, beautiful, mm. it was a beautiful day, but it was very hot oh. and just walking out in the sun, and it's a moment I'll, I'll never forget. Yeah. Now, Mark, with uh, you say how it was a surreal moment, and you, and you you know you just enjoyed the occasion. But let me take you back to '97. It was a soul-shattering result in the end. It wasn't. A, it was a great performance. Mm. The MCG game for me and a lot of Australians was probably the best performance by an Australian team. The way they played football that night. Mm. But then we went to the Uruguay series in 2003 mm-hmm. with Frank Farina as coach, and that was again soul-destroying. Where mm. that finished, and I think there was talk by yourself directly after the game that I'm not sure whether I'm going to front up again mm. because it was just it took so much out of you. What made you front up? For 2006, given those two horrendous failures in '97 and uh, 2003. Well, you know, you start thinking after those sort of games. I mean, I think the 2003 one was. I think that they deserved to to go through. I mean, they beat us fair and square in in Uruguay, and uh, but the um, the '97 one was was really soul destroying. We've, you know. That whole sort of occasion, you know, leading and and really dominating them for most of the game, and then, you know, copping two goals in the last I don't know what was it, 15 minutes or, mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, going back on the aeroplane to Europe, you you just devastated, you know. <laughs> people, you know, sometimes people think you know footballers are in it for the money and all that sort of stuff, and you know, but. Um, Really, they have to live with those moments, you know. Yeah. People, people go and watch the game and and stuff, and you know, and they go home, they're disappointed and all that sort of stuff. But this is, you live with those moments, you know. You're always, how can you say, you're responsible for those moments. It's your job. It's, you li- it's your yeah, job, and yeah, you're living with your job. Exactly, yeah. and you know, if somebody makes a house, uh, he's a builder, he makes a house and it falls down. That's right. <laughs> he's not going to be happy about it, is he? He's going to remember that house for a long time. <laughs> as well as his insurers. They will remember it for a long time as well. Yeah. Well, Dukes, I mean, just on that analogy there, Jose's yeah. never forgiven Aurelio Vidmar from that game oh. there. He said he sort of scored a hat-trick or something like that. But, uh, uh, yeah, we made, but, we made a lot of chances that game. We really dominated them and, uh, you know, people say that bloke who came onto the net and all that sort of stuff, but I think we really should have killed the game, you know. Mm. Um, but who would have thought? We were we were on top of them. The crowd was behind us. We were so, you know, we never thought that it would end up that way. And 
that's 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 the game of football. You know, it's so unpredictable. Just on the point you made about you know people have got this impression about footballs, and it's true. You know, uh, we feel as fans and in, in the media just sitting back and say, well, you guys can go back to your clubs and score your goals and be hailed at your clubs and make your money and stuff. We're left with the scars. But it was interesting you talked about how hurt you were and the fact that you know you use the word responsibility mm-hmm. that you really felt that way. Do you think that's is that a personal thing for you, or do you think that's across the board with all Australian players? Well, I can only speak for myself. Uh, as I said, it's it's your pride in your in your job, you know. Like, like I said before, I mean, there are people out there who are good builders, and some are not so good builders. They're not so good builders, you know. They don't care if their house falls down. Yeah. Yeah. But usually, if you get to that level, you you have a bit of pride about yourself, you know, in to, in terms of football, you know, you. I'm sure you can't get there if you didn't care, you know. Yeah. It takes a lot of uh, determination, a lot Absolutely. of uh, persistence and, and, you know, dedication to, to get to that sort of a level, you know. Mm. Um, that's sort of... Now, Mark, I want to I want to put you in a different situation now. I want I want to put you into Pim Verbeek's shoes. You're mm-hmm. the coach of the Socceroos mm-hmm. and uh, you've got a dilemma because everyone's in your ear saying, play with one striker up front, play mm-hmm. with one striker up front. You've been Everyone's there. Everyone's saying play, yeah, play, yeah, play with one striker. That's, oh, what they, really? that's what they want you to do. Now, I want to know. Are you, really, are you a are fan? Are really saying that? Are you, no. It's a role play, yeah, Mark. It's, it's a, a role yeah. play. In the Diego Wonderland, they're saying okay, that. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I want to know, as coach of the Socceroos, you've just taken over, what's your opinion of the lone striker up front? Given that you lived it uh, uh, exactly. all your career. Listen. Uh, <laughs> and you can't swear. Good question, <laughs> good question. Um, lone striker, I mean, listen, on, for me personally, I'm not a big fan of that um, for obvious reasons. I mean, um, it's, it's a role as a striker where you um uh, you have to rely on on the people around you a lot um you don't have somebody up front uh, to take the pressure off you a little bit in terms of um uh you know uh, when the ball goes up there you're the only one between you know two two center halves or whatever whatever uh, and um you know if you if you really don't have the the, the service uh, coming in and uh people around you it's a very difficult job mm. if you were let's you're still in the role as a coach go on i'm still a coach yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll make you the coach of your, your young Juniors. sons yeah, yeah young yeah. sons under 10 <laughs> team, right <laughs> how many prongs would you have up front sorry prongs yeah. mean something different overseas yeah, yeah, Australia, yeah. we're talking about strikers right oh, okay. how many strikers would you go with up front, as your philosophy. I like two strikers. Yeah, I always like four four two. I like the four four two system. Um, you know, there's all these numbers flying around. I don't even understand what number. I hear bloody um. Oh, excuse the French. It's all right. It's late. It's okay. Uh, I, I watched SBS the other day and uh, I saw um Fozzie going on about Pythagoras theorem and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> I didn't know if I was a football player before or, <laughs> or a mathematician. mathematician. Yeah, I definitely right. wasn't a mathematician. Yeah. Well, we'll have to sit down with you one day, Mark, and go through the Diego's the Diego's theory on on soccer. Yes, because you know we've got we call them prongs up the front. Yes. Okay, right. Yeah. And then there's the there's the sieve defence. Yes, right. Which yep. uh, that's the one that leaks a lot of goals. Yep. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> 
that's our sort of defence. That's a bit of, bit of talking. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll sit I you down and go I through say, it. I say that the defenders are, are the labourers and we're the bricklayers. <laughs> <laughs> so just throw us the bricks and we'll, we'll lay them nicely. You know? So we're going to ask you later on what you're doing after football, but obviously it's Baduka Construction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Actually, Mark, I've got a question about um, that. Uh, now that you have basically, you know, you never say never, but yeah, every time. Yeah, definitely. Do you... Do you do you still watch SBS every week? Do you, do you really take an interest in the game, or is that now that you know the family takes a lot more of your time, obviously, and a lot of your interest, as we discussed before coming on? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but do you still study the game? Do you still do you still find yourself interested? Like, who do you support a team, and do you follow them? Um, who you, you know what I you know I've been in that uh, game. I mean, I, I've loved it since I was a, a little boy. Um, that's all I thought about. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I used to live with a football. My dad, got, my parents got a little bit. Actually, one time I had a bunk bed, you know, and I, I nailed the ball to the to the roof of the bed just so I could be next to my head when I was sleeping. And that's how much passion I I, I had for 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 the game. And you know, it was just that was me, you know. Yeah. And. Uh, after being in it so many years and so many ups and downs, and it's a it's a very intense world. It's a very intense lifestyle, especially when you're playing at at, at a high level, because um, you know there's a lot of expectation. There's a lot of uh, um, uh, expectation on yourself by other people. You know, when money, big money's involved, it's always yeah. like that. And now I sort of feel a little bit like. Um, I don't know, like I've been in some sort of uh, on a treadmill or something for that many years yeah. and I was sort of st- uh, starting to notice other things, you know, because your whole life is results driven, you know. Mm. If you have a good game, you know, sometimes you don't want to go into the city or, or go to the shop, you know, because somebody's going to make a comment or whatever. If you had a good game, you know, you can walk through the street, no problems, you know, when you're living in, in Europe, it's very intense, you know, yeah. the, the footballing. Um, you know the the public and whatever, and after a while you sort of start thinking, you know, can I not just go for a walk down the street <laughs> without anybody saying anything to yeah. me? You know, and that's what I sort of wanted. I wanted a little bit of a a normal sort of in, environment, you know, for myself and for my kids as well. And um, because you know, as a footballer, it really affects your life if you if you if you if you really uh, serious about it, you know. You come home after a bad game, and you don't want to speak to anybody for, mm. you know, for, for the next couple of days. And then it, sometimes you take it out on your family a little mm. bit, and 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 things like that. Because it, you know, as I said, it, it means so much to you. And it's it's not it's not your average uh, average job, you know, where things are more sort of even. It's either totally high or then totally low. Yeah. And mm. it can be in one night. That's totally yeah. high and over yeah. like, right. like yeah. the like the game in '97, what yeah. we were talking mm. about, you know? and all-consuming, no matter what. It yeah, just it just takes over your life. And then, as I said, now I just feel like sort of a, I can notice, I start to notice other things in life, you know. Your cafe latte is looking really no, nice. <laughs> Things I like can't that. see any cafe <laughs> I just see water here. I, I've got to say, I've got to say that uh, small budget, small budget, mate. Small budget. <laughs> you know, Dukes must be doing the five or six k rocky runs in the morning because you're looking really good, mate. You are looking, and I know Victory are listening right tonight because they rung me today, and also Hart rung me today. And mm. They wanted me to give you, you know, a bit of a good word for them in your <laughs> ear, okay. just in case. But just for the Victory 
you know, uh, hierarchy and also Hart, he's looking great. The guy's glowing at the moment. But let me just say, I mean, we talked about 2006. It's a highlight of your international career, captaining the country. Mm -hmm. What was your highlight for that tournament? Was it playing against Croatia? I mean, you knew all those guys for the Croatian side. You played in the league against them. Mm -hmm. They were scared of you because you scored goals against them for fun Mm -hmm. there for uh, Zagreb. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Mate, what was that like? And then getting the, the, the upper hand on them at the end, qualifying through the next round. Well... Before that Croatia game, we had, um, we, you know, there was build-up and all that for the press and stuff like that, and uh, we, uh, I was, uh, we, we had in our in our hotel, we were sort of isolated, but we had the internet and we could see what was going on in Croatian newspapers and that, so, yeah. and we could understand, especially the the Croat-speaking players who were there, and uh, for, for, and they were really saying some, you know, you know, pretty. Um, bad things about us you know not not bad but that was sort of you know what do we know kangaroos and stuff like that and, <laughs> and that, you know, that would have hurt yeah. that, that must have hurt you a lot the well, kangaroo yeah, stuff the kangaroo thing yeah <laughs> it's very painful that. <laughs> but anyway you know they were, they were getting very cocky about the whole situation and um um the funny thing was that, that their coach uh, Tito Kranchar was my first coach when I went to Dinamo Zagreb, and right. uh, and Nico, his son, was Nico was a little little kid. He used to come to our training sessions with his dad and stuff like that, and uh, he was playing uh, in that tournament. And Stepan Thomas, who was marking me, was when I got to Croatia, he was um, he was a young player who 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 they just signed, and he was there by himself. So we became best mates, me and Stepan, mm, and. Yeah. Uh, so I had very close contacts with, uh, with uh, uh, you know the players and and I really I did and and also the the, the other Croatian players uh, background in our team um, we we wanted to get one over them mm. and you certainly did and I, I've got to say you know Joseph Simic great player and I know he's playing for the opposition on the night but he manhandled I mean there was bear hugs through yeah. the whole time you weren't being looked after yeah, at all I thought, that night I thought I thought there was it was definitely a penalty early on in that game when mm. when you know he was all over me and 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 in the end you know the three the three uh, yellow card <laughs> things was, a, yeah. was sort of did you go uh, and hu- did you go and hug Zelko at the end of the game, Zolko Kalats, of course, you know, yeah. a legend, legend uh, goalkeeper, but didn't have one of his best nights that night. No, that's the thing. That's the thing about football. You can do everything right, and uh, on the night it uh, it goes pear shaped, and they're the things. Uh, they're the things you have to have to deal with. But you know, obviously, people, some people are here. Some people say that you know he did it because he was against Croatia or whatever, and. You know, nobody wants to do that. Believe me, mm-hmm. nobody wants to do that on purpose in in a game. You know, and uh, you know, I, I think he he is a, he's been a great servant to the national team for for many years. He played mm-hmm. second fiddle to 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 two different goalkeepers, and you know, he ended up getting having a good stint at Milan, which is one of the biggest clubs in the world. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So I certainly deserved it, mate. We've got to take a break. We'll take mm-hmm. a break and come back with more of Mark Viduka here, a special Socceroo series here on the Four Diego's 1116 SCN, Melbourne's home of sport. The Four Diego's, proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639. The Four Diego's Soccer Show. The Four Diego's on 1116 SEN. Welcome back, everyone. This is the 40 Diego's 11.16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Time is flying when we're having fun. Mark Viduka, 
Socceroo Series special guest tonight in the studio. We actually just had another interview during yeah, the break. <laughs> Tell us all this stuff that's on the record, Mark, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> we might not be able to say all of it, but, uh, mate, overseas football, I mean, uh, you've played in Croatia, you've played in Scotland with Celtic, you've played with Leeds, you've played with Newcastle. You sc- when you weren't injured, you scored for fun, wherever you went. Tell us about your time, or the, tell us about the styles of playing in each country and how, which one you preferred and maybe some of the plays you played with and you know, some of the memories in that, uh, in that respect. Well, um, uh, I went to Croatia. Uh, I, I sort of knew a little bit about you know, how, how things were over there. and It was, it was actually wartime there. It was, uh, uh, they were under occupation there. and uh, uh, it, was, it was a nice time because I got to know a little bit about my history, my family history, and you know, I heard a lot about it. And I, I wanted to experience it, maybe learn the language a little bit more. And, and also it was a good stepping stone to, you know, to, to you know, get one foot into, into Europe. And um, the thing is with the Croatian style is that it's very individual. You know, um, I think players hold on to the ball a lot longer. It's not as it's not moved around as often as possible. You know, uh, uh, for example, I, I was playing uh, with Prosenecki in the midfield. You know, and me as a striker, uh, when you come off your defender to, to look for the ball, you expect to, <laughs> the ball. <laughs> to get you the know? ball. <laughs> yeah, when you got Robert Prosenecki in the midfield, I think you need. Two uh, two balls on the field because <laughs> you'd come off for the ball and yeah. you know he'd be doing dummies and the, and the whole the whole our team and their team will go one way when he does a dummy you know yeah, yeah. so it was very difficult to it, it wasn't because here in Australia we learned I went to the OS and all that sort of stuff and and played here with the Knights and it was more of a team sort of a game you know it's you know you pass it around you 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 got a goal together whereas there it's a little bit more individual as Mm. as a game and then when i went to scotland it was back to that team sort of a uh environment you know where it was um it was a lot quicker football you know it wasn't slow and and you know one touch two touch and then pass the ball it was more it was a lot quicker and when i went from 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 dinamo to there i mean i just couldn't couldn't believe how quick the pace was, you know. And uh, but you had a lot of the ball in those days. Well, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's, uh, that I was saying in the in the half half time break. I was saying, um, uh, yeah, when I went to Celtic, because uh, we, we you know we were Celtic, we had the ball the whole time, and you just get used to attacking, you know. And I didn't really, I didn't really, because you have the ball in there half most of the time. You get so many opportunities to 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 do do something, you know, combine with your players or, or get a, get a shot on goal or something like that. And then when I went to Leeds, the Premiership, um, I remember I remember my first game. I think it was against Everton, and um, you know I was I was breathing out of my backside <laughs> because I never did that much defending in the last two years as I did in that first game. And I remember like being at the corner having to mark. I think it was Gascoigne. Paul Gascoigne was <laughs> yeah. at, at Everton at the time. And he goes, he goes. Oh, you better get used to a big man like that. <laughs> I, was, I bent over and I started breathing, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that, that was that was that. And... How about some of the players, uh, mate? Uh, Donnie was talking to you over the break with the, the great Joey Barton. You played with Joey and you played with Lee Bowyer. These uh, guys who operated on the edge the whole time. What was it like playing with those guys? Um, it was. You know, you, in football, you get to meet so many different types of people, and uh, 
you know, with Joey Barton, I think a lot of people have this uh, preconception of, you know, what he's going to be like and, you know, because of all the things that he's been through. And and when he came, I, I must admit, I thought to myself, you know, how's how's this going to be? You know, like, you know... Cigars. Yeah. Golf clubs. <laughs> that yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah. And... Uh, when he came, I tell you what, it was the totally opposite. He is a he is a he is a, a a kid who maybe had a bit of a rough rough upbringing and stuff like that. But he is a genuinely. I got on out of all the players, I probably got on the best with Joey Barton. Yeah, that's because it, you come from the west of Melbourne. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe same mentality. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, I think because he's the type of guy who maybe can't control his feelings a little bit, and uh, he he wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, maybe. But if he's not happy with you, he'll tell you straight up. You know, yeah. he won't. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a straightforward guy. You know, and sometimes a lot of people don't know how to take that. You know, they, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed being with him actually. Mm-hmm. That sort of directness. One of the things that a lot of people say that that managers have a lot of difficulty with in with Euro, big European clubs is that in the in the change room there are a lot of egos, mm-hmm. and you have to be able to. If you're going to have success on the field, you've got to be able to manage the egos in the change room. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about some of the egos you experienced in the in the change rooms. Uh, oh. who, who, who had the who biggest, the who had the biggest ego? Let's put it another way. Let's yeah. put it, who was the most confident player you ever yeah. played with? Confident. Yeah. Uh, listen, if, you, if you're a football player, you have to have confidence about you, you know. I mean, mm. we... Uh, <laughs> Listen, I've played with so many different players. It's, it's, yeah. it's a it's a it's a tough question, you know. Yeah. But that thing about balancing egos, you're you're right. It's a very important thing, and I think in every in every sort of team uh, environment, whether that's uh, business uh, or or whatever, it's the you're still dealing dealing with people at the end of the day. Yeah. And your aim as a as a manager is to get the best out of the, uh, that person uh, for that team, and you know, you have to sort of see which guy is going to, which ego is good for the team, which one isn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. Detrimental. So that's why you see a lot of times when new managers come to clubs, you you see a lot of chopping and changing going on mm. because, you know, some people aren't, you know, aren't suited, suited. to, to yeah. yeah. And it's, and that's something that they everyone talked about, Goose, being a fantastic person, Manager, like he was great with people, with the guys on the team. Is that mm. is that how you? It was he the best in that sort of managing teams and getting the best out of each of the players, or who who was the best one you experienced, Mark? For me, Gus was probably the best, yeah. because he had uh, he had um, he had experienced uh, he had a lot of experience at that level. Mm. Um, he wasn't scared of anybody, so he wasn't scared about losing his job. He wasn't scared of uh, you know the media or anything like that and his main aim was just the team you know and to get them to perform well um you know sometimes you i think some of the problems we had uh, with, with coaches was that uh, maybe they didn't have enough authority and you know but with him you know it's straight down if you don't listen to what he has to say it's my way or the highway you know what i mean so um He's good. Yeah, I know. There's no, there's like you say earlier. There's no lack of clarity about where things stand. No, no, exactly. And uh, you know, uh, no, he he was very, he was a very, um, very, uh, very good coach.
end of story. It, it would be fantastic to have someone like him in the change room when you really needed some advice. I mean, players sometimes come in at half time and you're looking for answers, looking for solutions. It would be terrific to know that the guy would be able to say, no, if we make this move, make this change, that mm-hmm. everything will be right, and it does. Listen, he, people had confidence in him. The players had confidence in what he was doing. He wasn't a, uh, a guy who would uh, come and, and yell at everybody. Mm. Um, he was very calm. We did all our stuff on the training before before the, before you know we got anywhere close to a game. We knew exactly what we were doing, and he would come and tell us before before the game. Look, it's a big game. You all know it's a big game. You, um, um, it's very important for all of us. Everybody knows their jobs. Go out and do them. Mm. And that gives you a little bit of, you know, you have coaches who, you know, recite uh, Al Pacino's <laughs> thing from <laughs> Scarface. Yeah, no, the um, what was that, the, the, the yard thingo when he was the coach. Yeah, what so, uh, what do you call it? Uh, any given Sunday. Any given yeah, Sunday. Yeah, 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 yeah. That had to be Frankie, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not Frankie, not Frankie. No, Frankie was all right. Frankie yeah. was okay. we'll, we'll talk more about who they might be, Jose, <laughs> after the break. This is a special soccer series with the great Mark Viduka here on the Four Diego's Living Sixteen SEN Melbourne. The Four Diego's proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639. The Four Diego's Soccer Show. The Four Diego's on 1116 SEN. Welcome back, everyone. This is The Four Diego's 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Now, 14 minutes to midnight. We're having a lovely chat. With the great Mark Viduka in the studio, it's a special Socceroo series with Mark. Now, Mark, over the break again. We interviewed Mark over the break too. We've got to get every minute out of this guy. By the way, you're not going home till about three o'clock this morning because we're going to talk and talk and talk, mate. Uh, a lot of rumours when you were playing uh, for Leeds and Middlesbrough and Newcastle, even when you were at Celtic, about big clubs coming in for you. There were talk, there was talk about Chelsea at one stage under Mourinho. There was, of course, talk about Real Madrid and Roma. How much of that was true as far as the talk's concerned? And were you ever, ever close to joining a big club in Europe? Well, yeah, I mean, there's always, you know, with the, with the, the, the obviously, football and transfer windows and stuff like that, there's rumours of, you know, everything, you know. They just, sometimes they just make up rumours and sometimes there's truth in them, sometimes there isn't. And But I think, uh, actually, the two, the two closest... Uh, places that I had. I had in 2001 a chance, uh, not a chance, uh, a, a lot of interest from AC Milan at the time because I was, I was uh, uh, because of that season I had with um, with uh, Leeds and we got the semi-finals and of the Champions League and all that sort of stuff and and uh, and I was actually friends with Boban at the time and he was in, in Milan with, with, and he was actually acting as sort of my agent or whatever you know and mm. uh, and so they offered me a, a, a deal and they actually offered uh, Leeds United uh, uh, to, to buy uh, me off, uh, off whatever off Leeds United and, and they didn't want to sell me Ridsdale didn't want to sell me he came out to Croatia and offered me a a, 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 a really big deal to stay uh, for uh, for another season and and to be honest I was happy to stay you know, we, we we had a great team then. You know, we just got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. We bought Rio Ferdinand for like 18 million pounds at the time, which was a, a lot of money, and uh, everything was looking up. You know, and who was to who was to to say that the next year um, 
the next year it was going to turn the way it did. At Leeds, four, uh, four goals against Liverpool. I mean, there's an SMS there who has said, Mark, about uh, as a Liverpool <laughs> fan, he hates you, but as an Aussie, he thinks you're the ch- a true champion. That's Daniel and Thomastown. Um, that day must have been... Uh, you talked about a surreal experience when you went out on the ground against Japan hmm. uh, last World Cup. That must have been a surreal experience as well. Let me tell you a story about that day. This, this will be a good one for your, for your listeners, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is a story about that, that game. I, I, we went into camp. It was a, it was a home game against Liverpool, and because it's a big derby there, um, uh, we got a bit of uh, rivalry there with Liverpool and, and stuff like that. We, uh, it was an early kickoff. I think it was 11 o'clock or something like that, or 12 o'clock kickoff. Uh, you know, very early kickoff. So we went into a hotel in Leeds the, the night before, and uh, I was, um, I was rooming with uh, Danny Milosevic. Right. Yeah, Danny Milosevic, yeah, 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 a good, yeah, big Danny. good yeah, yeah. friend of mine and, and, yeah. a, and a top bloke. And he was, you know, I think he was second goal, third, third goalkeeper or something like that. And we're sleeping. And because at that time it was bonfire night, which is Guy Fawkes night, they let, let off all these firecrackers, right? And at home I had like a, a I had a Rottweiler, Tara, her name was. And uh, this, um, this, uh, uh, they kept, people kept letting off all these firecrackers at night, right? And my missus was at home by herself, and the dog kept barking, you know? And my missus got scared. She's going to kill me for telling this story. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and my wife got scared, right? And um, at 3 o'clock in the morning, she rings me up, wakes me and Danny up. <laughs> she goes, oh, Tara's barking everywhere. Um you know, I'm scared. I'm scared. This and that. I said, I said. <laughs> you didn't say that, really. I said, I said, tomorrow we're playing Liverpool. I go, if we, if I have a shocker, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the rest is history. You know, yeah. the, the, the game happened and. To be honest, what happened was when I got home from that thing, my dog disappeared because it got scared from all the firecrackers. It got lost for three days after that. Huh. So I went home and I had to look for it for the next three days. So from joy to this worry about yeah, getting your dog yeah. chasing your See, dog around. these ups and downs. I'm yeah, exactly you. right. But the thing is, uh, Mark, I mean, at the end of the game, I, I distinctly remember how proud we were watching you play. And at the end, you had this big beaming smile. I think even David O'Leary came and gave, gave you a hug and a kiss. But you looked down the barrel of the camera and you said, Hi, Mum. Oh, how you going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? Well, I knew that they'd be watching. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't really get much contact, you know, over the phone, whatever. So they get, they get to see you on TV yeah, at exactly. least, you know. But was that the the great? I mean, obviously you scored a lot of goals in your career. And as a kid, you'd, you'd scored ten at a time in your juniors. You know, mm-hmm. was that the the most memorable or best game you've ever played? I get this question a lot, Hello. and you know, f- as a as a as a footballer and playing for many years and all that sort of stuff, you start you get to you start to sort of look at the games in different things. You know, you you can have unbelievable games and not get on the score sheet as a striker. Mm. And people will say, oh, you didn't have a good game, but you know you had a good game. You know, because yeah. maybe you set up a couple of chances or you, you whatever, but you didn't you didn't score any goals. Mm. Now that game, I honestly didn't think I had a good game that game. Mm. As as myself, because I wasn't very involved in the game. I was, uh, in terms of 
you know, I probably made mistakes and stuff like that. But I got into four goal-scoring situations and I took them all. Mm. And that was that type of a game. That's how I saw the game. Yeah. Maybe on the side, people saw it differently, yeah. you know. All I want to know, Mark, is did you get your wife to wake you up at 3 o'clock in the morning every other weekend? <laughs> no, no, I should have, maybe. You should have, yeah, exactly. Well, it was all great in the end. You found Tara, your, your wife forgave you, yeah. you forgave your wife, yes. you scored four goals. No, it was, it was a great, great, it was a great the... day. It was, it was surreal, you know. I got, it was a beautiful sunny day. It was November, which mm. was very rare at the time. It was a beautiful day, and I came home and I just thought... What has happened? Yeah. Well, you certainly yeah. made a whole country happy that uh, that day anyway, mate. But got to take our last break. Okay. Fantastic uh, chat with Mark Viduka here. Soccero Series here on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. And we've got more of Mark after the break. The Four Diegos, proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639. <laughs> The Four Diego's on eleven sixteen SEN. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Four Diego's eleven sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sports. Uh, we're yeah. spending the last couple of minutes of our magnificent uh, special Socceroo series hour with the great Mark Viduka in the studio. Now, Mark, we wish we had more time with you, and you know, you think that you won't, but we're going to be with you for the next three or four hours. Unfortunately, no longer on air. So let's talk about Melbourne Knights for a bit. When you were a kid coming through, there were Many there were thousands of Croatian dads willing to give their daughters to you <laughs> for marriage. You were that popular. What was it like in those days coming through? You're an absolute legend of the club. By 21, you'd won a couple of plays of the year. You won a couple of championships. You were just a great player before you went overseas. Can you give us a little bit of a, a reminder of your time at Melbourne Knights in those days? Yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, I started that cl- at that club in 1982 was when, uh, as a junior, I came there as a six-year-old or seven-year-old. Um, and basically, I just went through the ranks uh, and uh, uh, played for uh, the youth team. Then I went, I got picked for uh, for the AOS for two years. I had a two-year scholarship, and I came back, and, you know, it was it, uh, it, it turned into Melbourne CSC at the time, and uh, mm. Branko Cellino, he gave me my first... Um, my first start with the, with the Knights, and you know it was it was so it was fun times, you know it was really good times. I mean, I was a young boy. I used to go to training in the morning and then go to the beach during the day. It was summer soccer, and then yeah. <laughs> come back and train at six o'clock again. And uh, I just had so much fun. Mm. One last one before we let you go, mate. Unfortunately, you're coming to the news. Yeah. Uh, your future. Will it be in football or will it be in construction? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, with football, I've got so much experience that I can, you know, pass on to either either young young players or or even, you know, big, you know, seniors or whatever. And uh, um, I, I, I love the game and I'll always love the game, you know. I think I probably got to an age where I couldn't do what I wanted to do on the field. Um, because of probably age and mm. uh, and a combination of you know injuries and 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 age really and that was that was basically uh, you know 
maybe I can I can keep going in a, in a coaching sort of role. You can certainly keep going in the Fort Diego's indoor soccer team on a Monday night. <laughs> That's C right. grade. You need a striker, yeah. Mark. You'll be a lone striker. Though, yeah. What is it? Yeah. Is that? The penal beaters yeah. league. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. One up front. That's you. Yeah. One up front. It's actually one below yeah. the penal yeah. beaters yeah. league. Yeah. Mark. Thanks, yeah. dude. It's, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you, mate. You're an absolute legend, and we hope to have you in the studio again down the track. Thanks no very worries. much, mate. Have a good time in South Africa. Good on you, mate. Yeah. That's Mark Maduka, special <laughs> soccer series. The Four Diegos, proudly brought to you by Tax Talk. We love to talk tax. Call 1300 366 639.